0: What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Bennett here to introduce this episode of TFTC. Been following this guy for quite some time. Pure signal in an ocean full of noise. A rising, boiling ocean full of noise. Tom Nelson, who's on the front lines, fighting the climate hysteria that that persists throughout our society. We had a great conversation. Quick rip. Um, I I think we're going to do many more in the future because again, we need to begin... Changing this narrative and getting people uh, awake to the fact that they're, they're being duped on a massive scale. He brings a lot of data, too. That's what I like about Tom. So enjoy this rip. This trip was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here to help you eliminate single points of failure in your Bitcoin security model and to give you financial services so that you can use your Bitcoin to do cool things. Like, use it as collateral to get dollar liquidity if you need it. You don't have to sell your Bitcoin, but you Bitcoin up as collateral. It's good for taxes, too, that way. They have an IRA product. And, of course, they have their, their vault product. This is a 2x3 multi-sig collaborative custody model. You hold well, two keys, excuse me. Unchained holds one. You always have control over your UTXOs in the vault. Or if you're ever in the pinch, Unchained is there to be the second in the 2 it 3 multi-sig quorum. They have a white glove concierge service going to take you from zero to having that set up with a thousand cuck bucks worth of sets in it. Tell them the TFTC sent you, you're going to get $50 off that package. Go to Unchained.com Unchained.com I need to enunciate make sure I'm driving people to the right websites. Unchained.com Check out everything they have going on. This group is also brought to you by good friends at Br- <laughs> Brain hung out with the brains team a lot last couple of weeks in houston we had edward evenson there btc Gandalf was there last week in miami edward everson excuse me evenson he doesn't like when i mess up his name intentionally uh he was there following me around miami as well he wasn't whipping uh firmware devs to get the the what's miners out I saw Daniel, our boy Dan Frumps. I saw Jan as well. the brain share behind brains, the brains behind brains, if you will. The man is bringing you the firmware that helps you stack more sats with your hash. If you have an ASIC and it's compatible with brains OS plus firmware and you're not using it, you're u- you're leaving sats on the table. It's as simple as that. This is what the brains team does. It's not just me just saying brain. They actually make shit. They're team behind SlushPool. They make this firmware. They have insights.brains.com. That's brains with two eyes. I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S dot B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com is their mining data page. Everything you need to know about the mining industry is there. Brains.com is their regular website. You can learn about SlushPool. You can learn about the mining metrics. They have a blog. And, of course, you can learn about the firmware. Again, you have an ASIC that's compatible with this firmware and you're not using it, you're leaving SATS on the table. How do you want to increase your your the productivity of your mining operation without pouring any more CapEx into it? You simply download the Brains OS Plus firmware. It's very, very simple. Go check it out. Everything you got going on, brains.com. This room is also brought to you by our good friends at Huddle Hoddle. Huddle Hoddle is here to bring you a no KYC AML lending platform. It allows you to use your Bitcoin as collateral to get stable coin liquidity. You go to lend.hodlhodl.com, L-E-N-D dot com. You put your Bitcoin up into a multi-sig escrow account. You hold one key. Your counterparty holds a key. HODLHODL holds the third key. Put your Bitcoin up as collateral. You get stable coin liquidity. You go spend that however you see fit. As long as you're paying that loan back plus the interest, you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. And since you have one key in that two or three multi C quorum, you have visibility into the escrow account throughout the duration of the loan. You know that those bitcoins aren't being rehypothecated. So you're going to have certainty that your sats are going to be there when you pay back the loan plus the interest at the end of the day, and they're going to be sent back to you. So go check everything that they've gone on at len.huddlehuddle.com. They've also got HuddleHuddle as a decentralized exchange as well. No KYC, no AML. They're doing incredible things out of Latvia. Whew. Enjoy this trip. It was a good one. A little bit, a little bit more invigorated after. Love you, freaks. Okay. Mr. Nelson, you've been uh, you've been on the front lines of fighting fighting climate hysteria for longer than I even imagined. Two thousand six,
1: something like that. Yeah, yeah, over a decade and a half now. I've and, enjoyed uh, almost every minute of it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you've seen it evolve pretty insanely over the last. What's that? Uh, Sixteen years, I imagine.
1: Yeah, so, something like that. Yeah, I think there are uh, more climate skeptics out now, or. I, I enjoy on Twitter seeing uh, new people I never uh, saw on Twitter before that are well-informed as to uh, whether the uh, whether it's getting worse, et cetera, because it's, it's not getting worse. So, yeah. yeah, I think a lot more people uh, understand what's going on than they did 15 years ago.
0: Well, it's getting to a point where believing this narrative is dangerous. This is leading to policy that is making us less secure from uh, an energy and uh, electricity perspective. And... Mm-hmm. and scaring the children, too, which is one of the saddest things about, about all this hysteria, whether it mm-hmm. be climate change, COVID lockdowns, whatever it may be. It's just It's You're completely borking the minds of, of a young generation as they're trying to develop their view of the world and, and reality, mm-hmm. as it may mm-hmm. be.
1: Yeah, I think it's actually evil. You see little kids or you see uh, maybe teenagers holding signs saying that, uh, you will die of old age, and I will die of climate change. I think people, some of them, actually believe that. I think that's evil to uh, try to convince kids that CO two is going to kill them because it's not going to kill anybody.
0: <laughs> well, CO two is uh, good; it's plant food.
1: Yeah, it is good. Yeah.
0: But before yeah. before we get into dismantling the whole <laughs> climate hysteria narrative, which I'm very excited yeah. to do, and I'm very honored that you joined me to do this. Like I was telling you, I've been following you on Twitter for, I believe, five years now, and you've just been a beacon of light in a a world drowning in hysteria, essentially, with no critical thinking. Um, But you you were describing to me before we hit record that you got dragged into this after uh, debunking um, a, a group that believed they had rediscovered an extinct woodpecker?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was the ivory-billed woodpecker controversy in 2005. And I would say before that, uh, I was a big uh, truster of science. And if people said scientists say something, I would tend to believe it. I was pretty naive back then, but uh, I was a bird watcher, And in 2005, uh, Cornell came out with this big rediscovery of a extinct uh, bird called the ivory-billed woodpecker and it had a peer reviewed paper with 17 authors. And it was announced, I think, uh, wa- announced in Washington, DC. It was a huge deal. And, um, uh, NPR made a big deal out of it, et cetera. But as it turns out, it was all a mistake. And uh, they it was a mistaken identity. They did not rediscover it. As I mentioned earlier, one of the big pieces of evidence is they had a six-pixel uh, photo of a, what was supposed to be an ivory-billed woodpecker. So all it was was uh, four black pixels and two white pixels. And that was a part of their proof. And I was showing that even if you take pictures around in someone's office and you zoom in on the picture, you can find six-pixel ivory bills all over the place. But they had a picture of the woods. They found. Uh, these pixels, and it was just amazing that uh, educated people, even ornithologists, uh, believed on that basis that they had found a woodpecker.
0: Well, how did you dismantle that? Like, were was it like how?
1: It was on uh, on uh, Blogspot back then. I just started posting on uh, on Blogspot, and uh, at first, I posted maybe once or twice uh, every few days or something. But uh, a lot of other people started commenting. A lot of ornithologists found my blog. Uh, some well-known ornithologists and they started posting comments there themselves so there was all these people with all these different perspectives and we were looking at every bit of the uh the evidence uh, very carefully and just ripping it apart in my blog as i mentioned earlier then uh, jack hit years later of the new york times he wrote a book called a bunch of amateurs and he talked about uh, my blog and how it was a place that amateurs could log in and they could uh, carefully just dissect every bit of evidence and show that the evidence they had was nothing so um, it was an example of people from outside the field that were able to, uh, to show that these what was supposed to be settled science was not correct. And so with, then,
0: uh, go ahead. I was going to say, so with the ivory billed woodpecker, like why? What was this research team coming out with this quote unquote evidence? Trying were they just trying to get uh, recognition? Or did they yeah, honestly I think, think they rediscovered it? Yeah. Or.
1: Uh, yeah, I can't get into people's heads. I think most of the people thought that they really had rediscovered it I think hardly anybody was uh, Secretly they knew that they were wrong and they were still pushing it. Maybe later on they started getting doubts themselves I would think that most of them probably were sincere at, at first and I think that's the same deal with uh, Maybe the global warming thing too. I think a lot of the people pushing it uh, probably actually do believe in it and uh Unsure, but I did want to mention though that towards the end of this controversy, someone emailed me and he said, "Uh, "You know this what we're seeing here with this ivory bill controversy? It's very similar to what we're seeing in the global warming controversy too. That uh, the data that they have is uh, very weak, and uh, there's a lot of groupthink involved. I think in both cases, groupthink is huge. Where once uh, people thought that some experts had pronounced the science correct, then all sorts of people believed it without bothering to look at the data. Anyway."
0: And so you got dragged in to climb and somebody read the ivory-billed woodpecker yes, case that yeah. you dissected and they said, hey, come look over here. And you've been looking yeah. over here for quite some time now.
1: Yep. Yep. And I wouldn't say I really uh, that he dragged me into it or made me do anything. But uh, just based on that, I just looked at it. And right away, the very first day when I looked into it, uh, I could see that uh, what they were telling me probably wasn't true. What I love about the global warming controversy is that there's so many different areas where you can check for yourself. You don't need to be an expert at all. You can look at like are tornadoes getting worse, or is the polar bear population getting smaller? There's all sorts of uh, small areas you can look at, and the real world data does not match up at all with the alarmism ever. If you look at any of it, it doesn't match up.
0: So, yeah. how would you describe the alarmism? What are what are the key points that they hone in on? I mean, on your um, on your blog you have five points um, yeah they, they really highlighted that that the climate mm-hmm. hysterics really lean into and, and you explain that mm-hmm. none of it is true
1: yeah okay i have them up here uh the, the earth is currently too hot is one of them that's just an assumption it's just a solid assumption that people uh, on the alarmist side believe that right now the earth is currently too hot but uh, i think there's nothing to that uh, warm periods on earth have always been better for humans and for life on earth And there's no reason to believe that the Earth at maybe a global average temperature is maybe 59 degrees Fahrenheit, something like that. There's no reason to believe that that's too hot. And if uh, Earth warms up from here, it's probably gonna be better for life because there's all sorts of areas that used to be uh, habitable. There there used to be life in Antarctica long enough if you go uh, far enough back. There's no reason to believe that um, life on Earth is going to be worse off if it gets warmer from here. That's one of the items right there. Uh, And then I'm constantly asking people, Uh, If one degree centigrade uh, of cooling, would that benefit life on Earth? Would that benefit humans? I think clearly it would not. I think that would be a bad thing for humans if the global average temperature went back to what it was in 1850. I think the warming since then has made it easier to farm. We've had longer growing seasons. It's been better for humans. Yeah,
0: Aren't there significantly more deaths via cold than via heat?
1: Yeah, there's a Lancet article that came out uh, not too many years ago that said that that figure was 20 times more cold deaths than warm deaths. I've seen other estimates that maybe 10 times. But for sure, a cold weather is more dangerous to humans than warm weather. So if you want to save human lives, you probably want to warm the, the planet. And global cooling uh, would, would cost us lives.
0: Yeah, vitamin D is good for you. It should be good to yeah. get out uh, there, be able to take shirt off, soak in the sun. shine
1: and warm. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah.
0: It's really weird how this the hysterics Mm -hmm. have mind warped us into not being able to think logically about this at all. Like like, again, if they'll they'll argue, and we were discussing, we had Patrick Moore on Mm
1: -hmm. uh, last
0: year, and so Patrick Moore. For any of you freaks who are listening at home and don't remember that episode or don't know who he is, he was the original founder of Greenpeace, uh, and basically came to the Mm. conclusion after many. Uh, a, a couple decades of running that uh, organization that the people who had joined him in that were, were really not, uh, their intention was not to save the environment or anything. They they had been completely co-opted by greedy incentives and they didn't really care about the actual science or the data. They just wanted to brute force their their view of the world on on the rest of the world. Uh, but in that episode, we talked about Glacial melting. And like, mm-hmm. Number one, like glacier glaciers melt and it provides more land from which uh, things can grow and plants can mm-hmm. grow and you can you can grow food, which is good for people. And it's more habitable. You have more habitable landmass for individuals. And then one thing he said in that episode that I'd never heard of before is that this is what a lot of climate astrophics will lean into: is the glaciers melting is going to rise uh cause the sea levels to rise but he said no it's actually the exact opposite because the weight of the glacier on the landmass sort of sinks sinks it under mm-hmm. the ocean so you may actually see like water recede in a lot of areas because of this
1: yeah i think that's true of the land around juno i believe that juno's been rising i think i believe i've heard that and also i listened to that podcast i enjoyed the fact that he said that Uh, People are, the propaganda is that a glacier is a living thing and we should uh, be sad if a glacier is gone. He says a glacier is just preventing a forest from growing there. And uh, the area that is now Chicago, it was under a mile thick of ice uh, not that long ago in geological terms. And I don't know if we're supposed to mourn the fact that that ice is not there anymore. Do We want the ice to come back. I think it's a great thing that that ice is not there and now we have uh, animals living there and people and trees and everything. So the whole idea that we should have a funeral for a funeral for a glacier is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it's, again, it's nonsensical. And,
1: yeah.
0: and ah, let's go down the list of five points and then we'll get into like the psychology behind the hysterics. I really want to dive into that as well. As somebody okay. who's observed it for like 16 years.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, the next one on the list is that uh, we're supposed to believe that we are currently experiencing a climate crisis. So you hear politicians, mainstream politicians in the U.S., they're just very consistently saying that. That is just an assumption. Right now, we're experiencing a climate crisis. And uh, quite a few people have said that all you have to do is look out your window and you can see the climate crisis, which is completely insane because you can't see a climate crisis out your window. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the weather or the climate now that wasn't also wrong with it every single other year in human history. So there's absolutely no evidence. And I'm constantly asking people to, to provide the evidence. And people will say, oh, there was a fire. They had fires in Australia a couple of years ago. But now they're having uh, too much rain in Australia. So I'm constantly saying if uh, CO2 was able to cause the fires and the drought two years ago there, why wasn't it powerful enough to do the same thing now? Because there's a little more carbon dioxide. So I've been down every rabbit hole and there's absolutely nothing going on anywhere in the world that would indicate that uh, there's a global climate crisis. Just the weather's fluctuating. And uh, one thing is that the weather, uh, if the weather has always been bad, every single year in human history, there's been bad weather. That's just the way it is. We're not living in the Garden
0: of Eden. Yeah, there's this weird yeah. psychological uh, underpinning with the word climate. You know, climate's changing. Climate—it's you
1: know, like
0: yeah, climate changes. You know, this is Absolutely. we yeah. live on a, a a planet that is very complex. The things mm-hmm. living on it are going to change. The conditions are going to change, and it's something as humans, we just need to accept. And the the whole term climate change is never made sense to me it's like yeah no duh the climate changes like we have four like i'm from philadelphia we had four seasons every year the climate changed pretty rapidly mm-hmm. on, a, on a 12-month basis every year
1: <laughs> yeah a lot of alarm alarmist thinking is extremely shallow and they think that if they think people like me don't believe that the climate is changing but uh patrick moore says that too. the climate of course it's always changing and I don't know of any climate skeptic that doesn't think the climate is changing. It, it's always changing, but the whole idea that you can prevent it from changing using taxes—that that is totally ridiculous. It's yeah. It's going to keep changing.
0: Yeah. There's other terms too. Climate denier. Like, are you really going to try and tell me that I'm denying that a climate exists? Like, words right. have definitions, and definitions yes. matter. And uh-huh. like, climate denier is like one of the, speaking of shallow tropes. Mm-hmm. That's that might be the most shallow because you're, you're you're what they're really trying to say is like you don't believe that there's cataclysmic climate change but they just deduce it to climate denier where it's like Are you really trying to say that i'm denying that a climate exists
1: i mean i think there is a little effort there to try to link us to holocaust deniers i think
0: ah, there's a little i
1: think there's a little bit of that yeah yeah but not true yeah No. okay so i can go on to the next one here is uh uh The weather is getting worse. That's supposed to be. uh, That's just a lot of people believe that the weather is getting worse because they're seeing so much uh, reporting around the world that something really bad happened in Thailand, etc. But one reason why people might think the weather is getting worse is that there's so much reporting now. And if you lived in 1850 and there was a terrible storm uh, thousands of miles away, you probably might never know that it happened. But uh, there is enough bad weather happening every single day that if you want to focus on that, you can think, wow, there, uh, there's some, <laughs> there's something wrong with the weather. But if you look at all the data, and I have spent many, uh, many uh, weeks and hours looking at this, um, the weather is definitely not any worse now than it's been in any, any other year in human history. There's been a, so much bad weather in the 1930s when the, the heat waves and the uh, dust bowl, et cetera, in the U.S., tons of bad weather, then nothing, nothing's going on now anyway that we should be alarmed about.
0: Yeah. And we'll lean into hurricanes, too. Somebody who's lived on the East Coast, we'll point to Katrina, we'll point to the -hmm. the hurricane Mm -hmm. season that has been pretty consistent. Last year wasn't too bad. Most of the hurricanes veered off the East Coast pretty Mm -hmm. aggressively. That's another thing, hurricanes getting worse. They're getting worse. Are they getting worse?
1: Yeah, they they absolutely are not getting worse. Like the 1950s (laughs) had tons of major hurricanes in the U.S. If you start talking about cyclones, I like to uh, post this, a list of the deadliest psycho- cyclones in world history and there were a lot of them in world history that killed over a hundred thousand or up to maybe two or three hundred thousand people and, but they happened a long time ago some of them happened in the 1200s or the 1700s and uh, modern day hurricanes have not been killing 100 people it's this huge tragedy if a hurricane kills 50 people of course but um, the hurricanes uh, and the cyclones in the past were incredibly bad and one reason I think that they're killing less people now is that we have better warning systems and people can get out of the way and maybe our our, our houses are built a little better. I'm not not quite sure, but for, for whatever reason, the death toll from bad weather is way down. It's down like 98% over the last 100 years. So the whole idea that uh, that CO2 is causing bad weather that might kill our grandchildren is just completely not supported by the data at all.
0: Yeah. There's another thing too, Lelina, that they won't even... Uh they can't lean into the deaths, but they'll lean into like the economic destruction but, like compared to many decades mm-hmm. ago, the economic destruction of these storms is is vastly superior to what it was in the past. And then mm-hmm. again, they try to yeah. catch you with like numbers, but it's like, all right, there wasn't as many buildings on the coast back yeah. then. Uh obviously you have crazy inflation since then. So like yes, the total number is going to be higher than it was 50 60 years ago just because there's more things to destroy more value to destroy in the way
1: yeah yeah if there's more property in harm's way it has a better chance of being uh destroyed and if if the east coast got hit the east coast of the u.s got hit in the year 1700 it's of course in the dollar terms it's not going to cause nearly as much damage but if you look at actual uh, objective measures of how intense the hurricanes are and how frequent they are etc there's there's no data that backs up that they're getting worse. And uh, Richard Lindzen actually argues that um, if the earth warms a little bit via CO2, that the storms might get a little less intense because um, the difference in temperature between the equator and the poles is a little less. And if there's less difference, then there's uh, the hurricanes might be less intense. So I wouldn't bank on that either way. But the whole idea, again, that we're going to attack CO2 and make hurricanes uh, less dangerous is just not true. Uh, if we want to... Uh, to uh, fortify our cities against hurricanes or you know, to pre- preparing for bad weather makes total sense to me as long as you don't go, t- um, don't, don't, don't do crazy things and put up seawalls that are ridiculously high, et cetera. But preparing makes sense, but just trying to prevent the hurricanes does not make sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, think um, of the hubris, Like, hey, yes. we're, <laughs> we're going to yeah. stop a hurricane.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, have all these searches running all the time that I'm looking at every day. And there's lots of local city councils of some random local city and they're doing stuff uh, that they think is going to affect the global temperature in the year 2050 in in some little city council they actually are delusional enough i believe that they think uh you know we're going to do this stuff and we're going to have less hurricanes and less droughts uh, for our grandchildren we're going to make the weather better for our grandchildren and uh, that is very delusional i think i can't believe people actually believe that
0: well Let's explain why it's delusional. Why? Why is believing that you can enact policy uh, in a way that that will affect mm. the weather twenty, thirty years from now?
1: Okay, that gets right to my next item. Here is it, the whole assumption is that CO two is, is the climate control knob. That's the whole assumption that via adjusting CO two, you're going to make the weather better. But that whole basic assumption is wrong because CO two is not the climate control knob. So anything you do to crank on CO2 to prevent bad weather, it's not going to work because you're not cranking on the control knob. There's all sorts of natural things going on, thousands of natural things going on uh, that are causing changes in the weather and climate. So no matter what you do, you can spend as much money as you want, and you're not going to make the weather any better in 2050. Yeah.
0: What are some of the knobs that actually
1: oh, control let's the weather? See, uh, one big one is the sun. I wanted to mention there's a guy named Nir Shaviv he uh, originally from Israel I believe he's done tons of research about how uh, fluctuations in the Sun affect the Earth's cloudiness and he thinks that that might be one of the if not the major control knobs in terms of uh, various changes in the Sun making earth a little more cloudy and a little less cloudy Uh, lately uh, with this current warming period the earth has been a little uh, less cloudy it doesn't take many clouds to affect the whole system quite a bit So anyway, there's some very good YouTube videos. I've seen him in person also speak, and he's uh, pretty convincing. But even that is just one thing. And then you also have volcanoes, which are a huge deal. There's all these undersea volcanoes, and there's volcanoes on land. And there's just changes in in, uh, ocean currents. And maybe even in the changes in the Earth's magnetic poles. People uh, make that claim. I'm not sure there. But there's all these different things happening. And then there's all the interactions between the things. And if you're Trying to model the Earth's climate using Fortran, which they're trying to do, uh, there's just no way, given our current knowledge, to get it right. Because you got to get all the interactions correct, you have to know what all the volcanoes are doing, et cetera. And even if you knew all that stuff about how they're interacting, you had, you'd have to know the correct initial state of all these variables. Even just the very starting state on right now when you start your model, you have to know that. And <laughs> nobody knows the initial state of hardly any of these variables. So you can uh, try to model it all you want, but uh, at least with our current knowledge, you you just can't do it. It's too complicated.
0: They really lean on the models though. They do. They shove the models in your face.
1: Yeah, you gotta lean on something. And uh, the models have uh, predicted a lot more warming than has occurred in the last 30 years. Uh, They they would have expected it to be a lot warmer now than it is. And uh, I did want to mention here at this point, there was this hiatus that occurred. It was maybe 12 plus years. Of starting in 1996 or so, maybe a little right around then, there was a hiatus where the earth did not warm as, as expected. And um, there were 66 different excuses as to why the earth didn't <laughs> warm as much. Yeah, those are documented. All these different, tons of different excuses, lots of papers written about it. And finally that hiatus ended. But now what is becoming the official explanation for the hiatus is, wait for it, it didn't happen at all. So after all these excuses as to why it happened, now they're trying to tell us, just kidding, it didn't happen at all.
0: Wait, so now they're saying that the, the there was no infection. hiatus. Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: it's it's incredible. Yeah.
0: Well, it is incredible because yeah. again, humans for some reason or another, we can just get hung up on these models. These like models in yeah. every asset mm-hmm. aspect yes. of life gets us like the yeah. COVID, like the the yes. the models yeah. that came out of the UK completely yeah. scared everybody in the lockdowns, and none of those came true. Uh, we see it a lot in finance hedge funds will have models for returns and stuff like that none of that comes true
1: yeah so i think there's tons of people that have this idea that there's super smart people in a computer room someplace and those people actually understand earth's climate and we can just rely on them to tell us uh, what to do and if we make this change in policy this is what's going to happen to the weather just the uh uh, but it's uh, mostly garbage in and garbage out and that the real world doesn't reflect that uh, at all that that uh People just don't know; they don't understand Earth's climate, and um, yeah, the modeling is not something that we should place any trust in. I don't think.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. that's something that most people can't get over. It's like it's it's okay that we don't understand this. Again, it's a complex yes. system. It's impossible to understand
1: mm-hmm.
0: a, a system this complex as complex as global climate, global weather. Mm-hmm. To think that you could, again, go back to hubris. To think that you could, yeah. Understand this granularly is like a, a level of hubris that uh, people should reflect on. Like, yeah. look, think about what you're trying to do. You're trying to, mm-hmm. what's the quote? Like a butterfly, yeah. uh, flap can create a, a tsunami across the world or something like that. Like you, mm-hmm. you never know when these volcanoes are going to erupt. You never know when there's going to be an earthquake. You can't predict those. And,
1: yes, yeah. Um, yeah, how
0: they how they affect uh, the environment. And to think that you can model this out is insane.
1: It is. It is. Uh, One thing I wanted to mention is that there's controversy right now. Like uh, how much has the earth warmed just in the last five years or or what even is the global average temperature right now? Today, there's controversy right now with all of our modern satellites and uh, we have the best technology we've ever had. And uh, there still is significant amount of error in trying to measure the current temperature. But then already they're trying to say that using some tree stumps or tree rings, they can tell us what the global average temperature was a thousand years ago which is incredibly crazy, I think. To You're looking at how wide the tree rings are and you're running some calculations on that. and You're trying to uh, eventually calculate an entire global average temperature based on, on that or using proxies like that. Uh, the, the error in actually figuring that out has to be huge. huge. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But how could you disprove yeah. that?
1: Yeah, you can't disprove it. But what I think you can do is you can look at uh, other pieces of evidence. Like if you do find that a tree has been growing way north of the current tree line which they have found those uh, there's a current tree line up in canada and they have found old stumps that are maybe five thousand years old that uh, are way north of the current tree line so that's some pretty solid evidence that if a tree was growing there then it must have been warmer then than it is now so you can make uh, kind of generalizations like that but in, in order to try to figure out exactly what the global average temperature was five thousand years ago it's yeah, there's a lot of guessing involved i think
0: yeah yeah, the t- yeah. You, you can never know. You can't know.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. It's but they'll make people believe they know, which is mm-hmm. insane. And going back to like CO two isn't the control knob. Yeah, like I think this is another fact that most people don't understand. Like, what is the overall makeup? Like, what like what percentage of the makeup of the atmosphere is CO two? It is. Yeah. Is it's changing um, it, it as much as we are, even affect anything in the atmosphere materially? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I hear people say that uh, the atmosphere is filling with carbon. They, they like to call carbon dioxide carbon, but it really is. It's, it's uh, invisible. It's colorless. It's a CO2. And that percentage is about 0.04% of the <laughs> atmosphere is CO2. And it's a little over 400 parts per million. Maybe the humans may be added 100 parts per million or a little more. We're not even sure on that for sure, exactly how much the humans have added. But anyway, the whole idea that the atmosphere is full of it is uh, is wrong. Um, I think there's more argon in the atmosphere than there is CO2. I'd have to look that up, but yeah, it's not very much. It's a small amount of plant food, plant food. So it's not the climate control knob, but it is good plant food. And it, that small amount of plant food actually is helping the crops grow better significantly. I think it's contributed to a greater leaf area on Earth because... It doesn't uh, control the climate, but it, it is a very important part of photo, photosynthesis. Yeah.
0: yeah, well, that's the other like, the There's like a meme of like desert desertification of yeah. the world, but when mm-hmm. you actually look into it, the the world has gotten greener over the last yeah, three absolutely, decades.
1: it's gotten it's got uh, measurably greener, yeah, much greener. Uh, one thing I also wanted to mention is that in the 1970s there was a global cooling scare. Because the earth really did cool from the 1940s to the 1970s, and so some people were looking at that trend and they said, well, if this continues, we're going to go into an ice age. And they were probably right. If that trend had continued long enough, then maybe we would have been headed for an ice age. But they were saying that cooling was uh, going to cause more droughts and more fires and smaller crop yields, et cetera. So it sounds very familiar to what we're hearing now. But then uh, global cooling was going to uh, cause all this bad stuff. And now we're seeing the same list of bad stuff that's going to be caused, but this time it's global warming that's going to cause it. So it's surprising that no matter which way the temperature goes, uh, we're going to get more droughts. It can't be more droughts no matter what happens, I wouldn't guess.
0: So what do you think is driving this area?
1: Yeah, again, I don't know what's going on in people's heads, but I do think uh, groupthink is a big part of it. I think enormous amounts of people, even scientists, have bought into it because they really trust that some other experts have proved it. So I think a lot of people are probably sincere in, enough that they they trust the experts. Then uh, when they go on TV and tell us that there is a climate crisis, they think there really is one. I, I think to some extent they believe what they say, but like I was mentioning early uh, earlier, I don't think they believe it enough to actually act like they believe it. Like uh, people who are selling climate crisis very often uh, do a lot of flying, even flying on private planes. So. Their belief doesn't extend far enough that they would um, not use fossil fuels, but they're willing to tell other people not to use fossil fuels.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So you got to change your life. I'm going to yes. hop on this yep. jet real quick, go over to Scotland, yep. and lecture you about about greening the world.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. It, I think I think a lot of elites are uh, think that whatever they're doing is so important that it's okay for them to use uh, private jets because uh, the small, the little people shouldn't be uh, flying, but. You know they're doing really important stuff, so that you can make an exception for whatever they're doing. Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah.
0: Well, it's da- again, it's dangerous. It's leading to policy that is making people material, materially less, the uh, worse off. Excuse me, and it's hindering. Like we've got a planet of eight billion people right now. We've yes. completely borked the uh, the Henry Adams curve. We're not producing as much energy as we arguably should, and energy production, particularly if it stems from from fossil fuels as being demonized at a time when the global self is trying to to pick itself up from its bootstraps and mm-hmm. join the developed world uh here in the united states we're so busy larping about the the green transition uh that that we're making ourselves less energy secure we're increasing mm-hmm energy prices uh, across the board, which affects the poor the most. Obviously, we've seen in Europe with Germany's transition to uh, green renewables over the last two decades that they have the highest uh, electricity cost per kilowatt hour in the developed world, hovering around 40 cents a kilowatt hour. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and they're still importing gas from Russia, but who knows how long that will last considering the the nature Mm -hmm. of the conflict over there right now. I think people are looking at these experts taking what they're saying at face value and then implementing it throughout the economy across the world. And it's putting us in a very precarious position mm-hmm. as a, as a species.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is not just a fun academic debate, like who's a better basketball player, Jordan or or LeBron, et cetera. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw the Great Global Warming Swindle. It's a a documentary by Martin Durkin that came out uh, quite some time ago. And he had an example of how poor energy choices make a a big difference. Like there's a clinic in Africa that was uh, trying to uh, just be powered by solar panels and they could either uh, run their refrigerator or their lights, but not both at the same time. And I think that It's a real important idea that uh, these developing countries, if we want them to just skip over fossil fuels and jump right into trying to run their economies and their hospitals using just wind and solar, that's just a terrible thing. Uh, Everyone needs uh, reliable power. And uh, the whole idea that you're trying to do these people a favor by uh, blocking fossil energy for them, you're doing an evil thing in trying to prevent bad weather in Africa. If you're uh, preventing them from running their hospitals and their clinics, uh, you're doing a very bad thing. So I think a lot of bad things are being done by people who have good intentions oh. and poor, yeah.
0: And then going back to like words matter, definitions matter. Like, is there any yeah. such thing as quote unquote green or renewable energy?
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I do think that uh, if you really do think that CO2 is uh, the worst thing ever, that uh, nuclear power would be something you'd want to push for. But there's right. tons of people who are against both fossil fuels and nuclear power. And the whole idea that we can run our economy, like the U.S. economy, on wind and solar, that's uh, it's not going to happen. We don't have the technology at all to store that energy so we can keep keep our lights on at night, et cetera. Yeah. Well, that's what's yeah, so, yeah.
0: been very dismaying for me is I like to consider I want all the energy. Like It's it's
1: yes. the whole
0: yeah. hysteric conversation around climate change has forced me into a position where I'm vehemently defending fossil fuel extraction mm-hmm. and usage mm-hmm. and been forced to highlight the hypocrisy emanating yes. from the wind and solar psychophants, mm-hmm. yep. which is uh, solar panels are coal panels. It takes the same amount of coal. Yes. They're not actually clean. They, their life cycles are short. and Then you have to mm-hmm.
1: recycle them yes.
0: with very toxic chemicals. Similarly, with wind wind farms, like the land mass, is never taken into consideration They like can need 3,000 acres of solar farm to produce the same amount of energy that a natural gas plant could produce with 122 acres, like the, the trade-offs of the different energy sources aren't given their fair shake in the uh, debate, uh, the discussion around climate change. And it's forced me to be like Mm -hmm. Mm anti-energy, certain energy production. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not anti-wind or solar. It's just like, all right, if we're going to have this conversation, let's be open and honest about the trade-offs that exist across the board here. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I would say just, I would like to see them all just compete. And if wind and solar can compete in some areas, uh, possibly it can compete in some areas. I'm all for that. But uh People are saying uh, to me on Twitter that wind and solar is so much cheaper than fossil fuel. And what my response is always, okay, let's just get rid of all the mandates and subsidies and let them compete straight up and let the best technology win. I'm all for that. Uh, just, in the last couple of weeks, I went up to my uh, <coughs> old home, hometown in Minnesota and the farmland around in my home state area here, there's a lot of solar panels being put up in Minnesota, which is we're getting pretty far north here, I think, to be trying to run anything on solar panels because uh, our days are so short and there's snow on the solar panels in the wintertime. I don't think it makes a lot of sense, but um, I would say they're putting them up because of subsidies and not because the solar energy makes uh, so much sense here in Minnesota.
0: Yeah, it's all uh, a rec, subsidy, credit, carbon credit game, It's which is created on top of this fiat system. And yeah, it doesn't make any sense up there. I went to uh, college at the University of DePaul in Chicago. My freshman year, I'll never forget, there was literally... 90 straight days where the sun didn't pierce the clouds between december and february
1: yeah not much sense and then warren buffett had a very interesting comment because his berkshire hathaway is one of the biggest uh wind power uh producers in the country and he said that uh without the subsidies they don't make any sense he said that himself that's a pretty big admission that uh why are we putting these up to try to prevent bad weather i think uh Let's. I would say, let's get rid of the subsidies and let's see if they can compete.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's something I get thrown at me a lot. I bring up the subsidies like they're yeah. super subsidized. And that's what's allowing you to say, like, it's the cheapest on Earth. It's like, no. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. But then they'll be like, oil gaskets an insane amount of subsidies too, which is, oil gas does get subsidies, but nowhere near the magnitude of, of wind and solar.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's true. That uh, Not real subsidies. I think I've heard that... Uh, like There's LIFO accounting, I forget what type of accounting, just the regular writing stuff off um, that an oil company does, that's supposed to be a, somehow they're counting that as a subsidy. So it's not like the government is just giving grants to a Chevron or to <laughs> Exxon to produce oil. It's just that they're letting them use the same accounting rules that everybody else uses. Uh, I, I've heard that anyway.
0: Yeah, no, uh, I, the, yeah uh, I was yeah. describing the, the gentleman who's like a a oil and gas producer in California. That's exactly what he said when I asked him that question. He was like, yeah, we're just yeah. doing write-offs the way any other business would. And they're they're attacking us yeah. and saying that these are subsidies.
1: Yeah, and then I have looked it up. In some years, the uh, Exxon and uh, Chevron have paid just huge amounts of taxes straight up, tens of billions of dollars in taxes. So you'd have, to, uh, I mean, I don't think the subsidies, uh, there's no way they exceed those taxes. Those are real taxes that are being paid. So... I'm not buying it. I think the subsidies in wind and solar are just orders of magnitude higher, probably per unit of energy and yeah. for oil and gas yeah mm-hmm.
0: and mm. and their their rationalization too is like they're are they're intermittent intermittent sources of energy they're not reliable, they're unreliable. The sun doesn't shine sometimes, sometimes you get snow in the solar panels, sometimes the wind doesn't blow, and then they always lead up, well, we're gonna have batteries, and it's always we're going
1: to have yes, batteries. we're going to, yeah, yeah, um. I found some article from about uh, the early 1900s saying that there's a major breakthrough in electric cars and uh, our cars are going to be run on batteries from over 100 years ago. But that same article said that we've been hearing this story for a long time and it's never come true yet, even 100 years ago. <laughs> uh, this battery technology has been around the corner that long. And it's still, uh, it's still very hard, I think, to produce a uh, battery that is energy dense enough to compete with fossil fuel.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fossil fuels are beautiful. Carbon carbon dioxide is beautiful. Again, it's plant food. Mm -hmm. Like imagine, Mm -hmm. like we. That's why I want to have you on. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to do this via this platform that I have. I want to shift the narrative. Carbon dioxide is good. Mm -hmm. Global warming is good. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't like the beach? Who doesn't like more food? Who doesn't like more greenery on Earth? Mm -hmm. Do you think we can do this, or is the (laughs) the the incumbent hysteric crowd? Uh, so yeah. entrenched in the psych- psyche of the masses that uh, we'll never be able to get there.
1: Yeah, I think we can. I don't know how long it'll take. I think there's tons of kids in school just being force-fed this propaganda uh, over and over. But I think even those kids, as they grow up and they realize the weather still isn't uh, getting worse, I mean, they're expecting the apocalypse anytime. time. If we sit around and it doesn't come, which it's not going to come, I think those kids are going to eventually figure this out. Um, I did want to step back, though, and you mentioned how uh, about CO2 is a good thing. Uh, There's a guy named Will Happer that talks about CO2 and about how um, in a cornfield, a growing cornfield in the middle of the summer, that uh, normally the air might have 420 parts per million of CO2, but that corn is so hungry for CO2 that it'll suck down every bit of it that it can. And the CO2 level might get down to 200 parts per million as the corn is just sucking down CO2, photosynthesis is going on. And I think that's pretty amazing that people tell us when we emit CO two it's gonna stay up there for thousands of years. We had that corn is sucking it down in just a morning from four twenty <laughs> to two hundred right there. So this whole idea that CO two resides in the atmosphere for thousands of years, total baloney, not true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Was, yeah. So I think yeah. I think it's a very like Malthusian anti human. I think there's yes. an agenda out there to uh, yep. get rid of the useless eaters, if you will. And they use this yes. fear mongering where you can't have children. There's eight billion of us. We can't support anymore. Uh you need to use uh less like, part of moving people to insecure and less reliable energy mm-hmm. infrastructure is to like quietly increase deaths on the back end mm-hmm. because we need to get rid of these yeah. useless eaters.
1: Oh, I think you had Alex Epstein on here to yes. you, do on your podcast at some point. I love his quote about how it's supposed to be the case that uh burning fossil fuel has taken a safe climate and made it dangerous. But he says burning fossil fuel has done the opposite. He's taken what is a dangerous climate and has made it safer for us. I think that's that really distills it down. He's got it absolutely right. But that's one reason why uh, we're much safer than we were 100 years ago is we we're using fossil energies uh, intelligently to, to uh, make the climate less likely to kill us or bad weather less likely to kill us.
0: Yeah, everybody wants to save the climate, but the climate hates you. The environment is dangerous. It's
1: Yes, yeah.
0: hear you hear the phrase it's a dog-eat-dog world the environment is vicious it does not care about
1: absolutely is yeah yeah
0: Mm. yeah yeah you think hurricanes know that you exist
1: (laughs) i don't think they care (laughs) about (laughs) local city councils yeah no yeah that's Uh, it should i go to the next one Uh, climate science is basic physics that's another one that well i'm i've had uh supposedly uh informed people tell me that many times climate science is just basic physics and if you don't understand that CO2 makes the weather worse, you don't understand basic physics. But that's completely insane, too. I mean, one guy who was a great climate skeptic was Freeman Dyson. Somebody, uh, he has been, com- had been compared to uh, Einstein. He's a super decorated guy. And uh, he, uh, he was a physicist. And he was saying some of the same stuff that skeptics are saying now, that CO2 is not uh, causing bad weather, et cetera. And the whole idea that you can just use a basic physics equation and try to calculate what the Earth's climate is going to do is just crazy because it's way more complicated than that. Um, there, there is a greenhouse effect, I believe, and I think everything else being equal, if you have twice as much CO2 up there, then uh, twice as much, it's going to be a little warmer. I, I think that's as far as the real scientific consensus goes. But once you start going on to is there a climate crisis and all this uh, way more alarmist stuff, then there is not a consensus among scientists that, that any of that stuff is true. A lot
0: well, of controversy. How, well, it's very nefarious yeah. how they try to make you believe that there is a quote-unquote consensus between yes, yeah. the, the scientists as well. There's a, So somebody who's been following the space for 16 years, how do they typically manipulate either reports or quote-unquote consensus uh, to then yeah. go out in public and, and shill this narrative ad nauseum?
1: It's very interesting that as people compare it to a game of telephone where you have a kid on one end saying something and you pass it from child to child and at the other end you get a totally different uh answer or different uh, statement i think there's a lot of that even in the ipcc reports and underlying papers they'll say one thing and as they move it up the chain a little bit if, as they write the summary for policymakers, they change the, the narrative quite a bit uh, they uh rewrite it in their own terms but it's it's more alarmist and um a big example in the recent IPCC report is they had the underlying papers and then they, they had all sorts of people get together in a room, uh, government negotiators, and negotiate the science, which is kind of crazy that uh, government bureaucrats are negotiating wording of what scientific truth. So then they produced that summary for policymakers Then they had the uh, head of the UN saying that what we have here is a code red for humanity. So <laughs> you know, that was reported all over the place in the papers that, look, the scientists say it's code red for humanity but they never said that only he said that and he's the former president of socialist international, I believe, Uh. current head of the UN. Yeah. So the whole idea that he says code red for humanity, that's not a scientific statement. That's just one guy saying something. The scientists did not say that. So I I do think that there's a lot of that type of thing.
0: The amount of people who hopped in my mentions on Twitter with that IPC, IPPC report, IPCC, IPCC, is there's like you're irresponsible. You're irresponsible for saying there's no climate emergency. Look at this uh-huh. IPCC report. And then I'm like, then, it, but it like makes you like question yourself. It's like, oh, am I wrong? Oh, yeah, am I wrong?
1: But, but if you look at the reports, they absolutely don't say whatever what the alarmists think they say. Like I have a slide here someplace where the IPCC did a special report on extreme weather, and they they said, okay, we're looking at floods, and the IPCC said. Uh, on a global basis, we don't even know the sign of the changes in floods. They don't even know if floods are going up or down because uh, they're fluctuating everywhere. Uh, the whole idea, uh, constantly we're told that there, there's been a flood, CO2 must have caused it. The IPCC doesn't agree with that. They don't even know the sign of the changes. IPCC on drought says in some places in the last 30 years, droughts have gotten worse, which they have. In other places, they've gotten better. And if we watch another 30 years, though, I would guess they might fluctuate back the other way and, and the places that were getting worse will get better, et cetera. Anyway, the IPCC does not have anything that says, look, the world uh, with higher CO2 is going to have greater global droughts. They don't say that. Same with uh, cyclones. They can't see the signal in frequency and intensity of cyclones. So the whole idea that the IPCC is telling us there's a climate crisis, they're not. Other people are telling us, but the IPCC is not saying that. Yeah.
0: How come the IPCC doesn't come out and be like, hey, people are misrepresenting our data?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people who are part of the IPCC are alarmists. So they would love the IPCC to say that there's a climate crisis. And I don't know what's going on in these meetings. There's always closed door meetings when they negotiate the important summary for policymakers. It's very interesting. I think in this day and age, why don't they have that webcast? Why can't we all watch as they negotiate the science? It's pretty weird that they close the doors and they go through everything line by line i would like to know what they're saying behind those doors and why you know uh, what sort of arguments are they having i think that would uh, really blow their case out of the water if they let us actually uh, watch as they negotiate the science instead of just telling us at the end what the uh, what what got negotiated
0: yeah they're in there just yeah. like how can we scare everybody
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what they're doing in there that.
0: well yeah. that's yeah. another thing that i've i've always been curious about and like i really want to push this into the public sphere as well as like, all right, let's pick one deadline or prediction and use that. Like, all right, if this doesn't mm-hmm. come true, we're going to completely, yes. we're going to completely change the conversation around this. Cause it's it's obvious that the, the hysteric side may not be right. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think the line in the sand we have to do is go back to the dates where, where Greta said in mm-hmm. 12 years, yeah, like like the world is going to be under the ocean, and at the twelve year mark, we go back to Greta and say, "Greta, this didn't come true. Do you have anything to say here?"
1: Yeah, yeah. There's been some really embarrassing predictions, like Al Gore around 2007. I think he said that the Arctic would be ice free. The uh, Arctic would be ice free by 2014. I believe he said. So that, that's now eight years ago. That has absolutely not happened. So whenever they predict anything that's a short time period away, they've been embarrassed every single time. So I think they're learning from that. And now it's more common for them to say by the year 2100, something bad's going to happen. So they got to pick a date when they're going to be safely dead. So they don't have to worry about that date coming up and being embarrassed. But uh, yeah, Al was saying that the snows of Kilimanjaro would be, would be gone soon. Uh, that didn't happen. All, all sorts of uh, uh, James Hansen said that uh, parts of Manhattan would be underwater by, I don't know what, 2000, I forget, but maybe 10 years ago now or something. Again, uh, didn't happen.
0: So, yeah, well, um, but what is happening is that they're using these these lines. Again, they're changing policy. And again, we have this, what, 2030, yes. 2050, net zero policy. Yeah. It doesn't even make sense. You can't have net zero no. carbon, carbon no, dioxide. It may- it
1: makes no sense. I think there's so much money to be made in carbon credits, huge amounts of money. And uh, to pay people to not cut down trees that, that on land they own, it's all a, just a huge scam. And um, yeah, the whole idea that you're going to prevent bad weather by uh, trillions of dollars changing hands for uh, for no good reason is is uh, it's a big mess. That's for sure.
0: Well, yeah, it's a big mess. Yeah, people yeah. are profiting off of yes, yeah, this insanely yep. idiotic policy that again is making the common man. Many of whom believe that that have been scared into a corner to believe that there is a climate disaster on the horizon. They're just getting mm-hmm. screwed over at the end of the yeah. year. Tax yeah. dollars are just going yeah. into somebody's yeah. pocket yeah. that's benefiting from this financially, scaring you. Spit, credit carbon credit markets. I mean, we, in the Bitcoin mining industry, like I was telling you before we uh-huh. hit record, like I got dragged into this via Bitcoin mining because Bitcoin mining uses a lot of energy, and people try to paint us as like some environment destroyers that are. They're hell-bent on boiling the oceans. And I've just been so inundated with uh, the nonsense for the last four years specifically. It's a, I, f- I feel for you, somebody who's been doing it for 16 years. like, I, it, 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 Again, it make you, you want to pinch yourself. Like, How can this many people be this dismayed and led astray from actual critical thinking and reality?
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Um I don't know though how much time the ordinary person spends thinking about this in their daily life. I, I look at a lot of polling on that because uh when I just uh when I uh go out with people, et cetera, I never almost never bring it up that what I do. I just wait for them to bring it up. It almost never comes up. I don't know if you I guess maybe in your line of work it, it comes up a lot more often, but I don't think Joe Public is spending enormous amounts of time necessarily uh worrying about this.
0: No, He's he or she certainly doesn't worry about it, but they a yeah. lot of uh, uh, Joe, the common yeah. man, they just have it like yeah. as a checkbox, like oh yeah, I'm worried about the climate yeah. disaster. Like if they have to bring it up yeah, in small yeah. talk,
1: They'll so, so, yeah, say things. that, yeah. But in terms of like gas prices, as I think uh, high gas prices are not something people are willing to pay at all to try to prevent bad weather.
0: Yeah, to- people are like drill baby drill. Let's get what the hell's going on. I don't want eight dollar. Uh, a yeah. gallon of gas up in San Francisco—it's getting crazy. It's like
1: mm-hmm.
0: for plus down here in Texas mm-hmm. and Austin, it's—it's it's manipulative too how the gas station does it. Usually, like plus is only like ten cents or thirty cents more okay. than your than your regular, uh, at least in my experience. But here it's like a dollar, dollar twenty more. Um, for so plus, okay. Yeah, it's like four seventy yeah. here.
1: Jeez,
0: a okay. gallon mm-hmm. in Texas, like yeah. the energy capital of the world. Huh, How? C- so. You think there are more people coming to our side of the argument?
1: I do. I do think that. I'm I, Like I said before, I'm really encouraged that there's so many people I have never heard of before on Twitter that are coming uh, in my replies are coming up with really good uh, graphs or uh, different stuff I haven't seen before that uh, they're all looking at it uh, from different angles and coming up with uh, more climate realistic, realist stuff that I enjoy. So that makes me happy. Yeah,
0: yeah. We, need, we need to destroy this narrative that there's a climate... Uh, disaster yeah. on the horizon. Again, yeah. think of all the waste that we're just talking about carbon credit markets yeah. and about the the subsidies of wind and solar. Think about how much capital has been misallocated because of this narrative mm-hmm. of people going down with it. Like, it is actually a, a, an extreme detriment to human well-being that, mm-hmm. that this has permeated uh, a mass psychosis because we are literally printing Trillions of dollars misallocating it, Mm -hmm. like away from things that are probably worthwhile, like pulling the global south out of out of poverty, Mm -hmm. bringing them to the developed world by allowing them to tap into fossil fuels.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's uh, I don't know if you know James Dellingpole. He's a good climate skeptic over in uh, the UK, and uh, he uh, doesn't. He's the uh, person who does not like the uh, eco crucifixes. He calls the wind turbines that are destroying the uh, the scenery and. uh, are killing bats and birds etc and i think a lot of those wind uh, farms are going to rust in place and then there's eventually there's it's going to cost a lot to get rid of them there's already been some of that uh in past iterations of wind power for instance that were uh it doesn't pay to fix them and then it's uh it takes so much cement and so much copper etc to put them up and then once they're decommissioned you got to somehow take them down so that's a problem uh, one other thing i wanted to mention is that we're talking about carbon credits and it drives me crazy that there are so many companies like Apple that say proudly that uh, our data centers are running 100% on uh, carbon-free energy. I don't know if you've seen that claim a lot. I but have that, seen that. That's, it's, it's absolutely not true. I'm pretty sure they're just buying these carbon credits. They're, they're pretending that they're using different electricity than everybody else is in their same city, et cetera. But they're collect, connected to the same grid and they're using the same fossil energy. So uh, they're, it's just an accounting trick. It's, it's not true. But I wish I would see more... Uh, More pushback against that. I've seen Alex Epstein push back against those claims, but almost everybody just lets them stand and acts like it's true when it's not.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you need to get into the Bitcoin mining space because we're we've been out here. Mm -hmm. Many of us, not all of us, there's many in the Bitcoin mining industry who who are bending the knee to ESG and all these green hysterics. Like, no, we're we're renewable, we're renewables. Oh yeah, it's it's sad to see. It's really sad to see. It's like, come on, have some self respect. Like, we're supposed to. Bitcoin is a technology rooted in objective truth. The way the ledger works, it provides objective yeah. truth to the world. You can prove it with cryptography. Uh, and seeing others in the industry just try to cater yeah. to mm-hmm. the green yeah. movement because they're afraid of of being villainized is is sad. Then, that's the thing. Like it's gotten to the point where at the government level, like many industries mm-hmm. feel forced to bend the knee and and quote unquote mm-hmm. agree that there is a climate disaster and then they change the way they act. Again, it wastes a bunch of time and money.
1: Yes. But how
0: how do we get out of this vicious cycle
1: of like... Yeah, I think it's a good point you make about bending the knee. I think we need a lot more people to not bend the knee and push back. I think every little bit of pushback helps. So anybody, even on Twitter, I think anything you can do to push back, uh, I think it all helps. I think uh, we can get the snowball rolling in the other direction if uh, people stand up to it and uh, don't just pretend to believe in it just to, to get along even in your personal life maybe people bring it up maybe instead of just uh just the knot in your head uh, just stop uh, pushing back i think pushback's important
0: i i completely agree but, yeah that's one thing again another thing humans have been psyoped into in our crazy clown world modern days mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: i i i can't yeah. i can't speak because i was just on a panel at a conference and there was publicly traded I, I sit on the board of a publicly traded bitcoin miner and okay. there was two public ceos on the panel with me and they were like I was saying like stop ending the need of ESG like these people are wrong you should not be catering to them and they both were like mm-hmm. that's not the way it works like you have to oh, you have to yeah. operate a certain way you have to play the game it's like no you don't mm-hmm. you can stand up and just say no I'm not mm-hmm. playing this bullshit game anymore like I'm gonna mm-hmm. speak the truth yeah I have the truth on my side like I do not need mm-hmm. to play a stupid game I will not belittle my intelligence by playing mm-hmm. this stupid game, and it, but that's not the way public markets work. You're not going to be able to get capital. It's like no, there are smart capital allocators out there who understand that this is bullshit, and you can it's find you. them, and you can change the regulatory landscape too. Mm-hmm. Like the governments are supposed to represent us. Like all we have to do is call out the bullshit, and eventually, if the government works the way it's supposed to, the regulation should should uh, change to reflect reality.
1: Yeah. Good for you. I, this makes me very happy to hear you talk like that. I, 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 the idea of more pushback is fantastic. I'm loving it.
0: Yep. Well,
1: And there is a lot more pushback than there was when I started 16 years ago. It seemed like back then I, I felt like I was kind of alone. There are a few skeptics, but uh, I am happy. I feel a lot less alone now. That's good.
0: Yeah. So, so how has the landscape changed again? So like broadly speaking over the last 16 years and what have been some of the uh, catalyst for for change. What do you think? What do you think is pushing more people to be bolder about this?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I, I was thinking back. One major thing that happened in about 2007, there was a a big time uh, Intelligence Squared debate. They had a three on three, very formal debate about uh, whether we should be alar- uh, alarmed by the climate or not. That was fantastic. And the uh, they polled the audience before and after, and afterwards they found that the uh, audience had been moved in the skeptical direction. Uh, That was something great that happened back then, but it has never happened since then. There's never been a public debate like that. There's been a few one-on-one debates, et cetera, But I think that the alarmists lost so badly that time that they weren't willing to even try to defend themselves in a public debate because the data is not on their side. So that was a good thing that happened then. But um, I would like to see a lot more debates happening now, but I think uh, most alarmists are are not up to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Alex is out in the front lines
1: yes he's doing a great screaming job for
0: people to debate them and some yeah. some have taken up the uh yeah the, the task and lost uh viciously yeah.
1: again yeah, we had I the data
0: we had the data on our side it's like
1: oh absolutely totally on our, our side i was very uh happy to see uh steve coonan on uh, joe rogan oh uh, yeah you had steve koonen steve coonan too yeah. yeah yeah i think he's doing an excellent job i think uh getting a uh, huge audiences for guys like him and his uh, book is getting uh, some publicity. Schellenberger
0: was on Rogan as yes, well.
1: Yes, he's done a great job too. Yeah, so that uh, all that pushback is helping, I
0: believe. Yeah, yeah. You need to keep pushing. These people are insane, and they want you dead. They don't care about the. I, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm actually convinced that they don't care about the environment at all. They just want to control you. There's some sociopaths. I think there's, yeah, I
1: think there is some of that.
0: Yeah, uh, at the rain here, uh,
1: yeah.
0: get pleasure in thinking that you're eating bugs. And not cow because cow f- <laughs> they convince you that cow farts are are causing oh, yeah. the oceans to boil.
1: <laughs> have you seen pictures of cow research where they actually have a uh, a tank strapped to the cow's back and the cow farts are supposed to go in the tank? That's yeah. an actual thing that people did. Yeah,
0: this but it's all about cow- Trying to
1: prevent bad weather. Yeah.
0: Well, the worst thing is like they they're transitioning. Oh, we found out it's not not the farts, the burps. So we're going to put uh, muzzles on the on
1: yeah. the cows
0: now so that they...
1: Yeah. Or feed them seaweed. So, so you're going to grow seaweed and you're going to transport that to cows in the Midwest and they're going to be eating seaweed every day. And that's going to prevent hurricanes somehow. It's uh, pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. We live in a clown world, Tom.
1: We do. Yes.
0: Uh, and I want to thank you for being, again, being okay. a, a beacon, a light of mm-hmm. critical thinking and clarity and truth in a world that's gone crazy. Oh, thank you. Uh, I've,
1: I've, I've enjoyed doing what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. What, uh, is there anything outside of the climate hysteria that you have your eyes on that you're looking to uh, uh
1: there's stuff I'm doing. I don't know if I can mention this I don't know if it's gonna be on youtube I don't know, but there
0: oh uh, yeah they're, 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 we've they're got co- yeah. we've got uh we've got jab strikes on YouTube, so you, you can talk yeah. about it, but uh yeah. just don't use the v word
1: yeah okay so i I won't use that word but that's what I'm looking at yeah
0: yeah, I mean it's mm-hmm. killing people. So it's, it
1: is. It absolutely is.
0: It's, yep. it's
1: yeah. It's a huge deal. Yep.
0: And we had uh, Edward Dowd on. Um, you know what, Ed? He's been doing. I, I, I'm a
1: huge fan of him. I never heard of him until like a month ago, and I'm I've been watching every single thing I can find that he's on. And- yeah, I mean, uh-huh.
0: there is a smoking gun in the insurance data that is yes. almost it's impossible to ignore if you see it. it. He <laughs> can't. Yeah. You can't deny mm-hmm. that something happened towards the beginning of 2021 that, that has yep. led to an insane amount of excess deaths throughout the world.
1: Yeah. So that's actually distracting me from the global warming debate a bit right now. I'm probably two thirds more on the Edward Dowd stuff uh, right now. Yeah.
0: What's What's been the most surprising thing to you? I don't care if we get kicked uh, off YouTube, so no. I, I don't care. Uh, most
1: surprising can, thing? um, yeah I guess just uh pushback when I talk to uh my my trusted friends about this that they're having none of it, anything I'm saying they they uh yeah
0: well is this there's uh, a massive sunk cost fallacy going on where people don't wanna yeah. believe that they were dragged that far astray,
1: yeah I think so, yeah and they're gonna figure it out, but I thought uh they would be quicker to figure it out, but yeah the truth will come out.
0: What's the smoking idea is it the insurance data or
1: I think it has insurance data, military data also. Uh,
0: What's the military data?
1: Yeah, I think there was testimony about how um, the military has very detailed medical records uh, to keep track of uh, various things that are going wrong with soldiers, uh, the rates of illness, et cetera. They have all this. It's a separate database that they have that no one else is under control of. And it's showing that something really bad has happened in the last 12 plus months something really bad and unexplained. I think that's a very big deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at, I mean we're talking crimes against humanity. I mean, yeah. True evil.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I, mean, I think the climate hysteria is a crime against humanity. Again, going back to the misallocation of capital and mm-hmm. how it's driven people down uh, stupid paths. But this is like direct cause effect. Yeah, uh,
1: uh, young and healthy people that are no longer healthy,
0: yeah. Yeah, or alive. alive. Just just looking at the sports world alone, globally. Mm -hmm. It's like, how could you look at all this and be like, "Eh, there's nothing going on here.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy times,
0: yeah. (sighs) And people need to be brought to justice for this. Uh, There needs to be justice for... There does, yeah. Wow. YouTube's not gonna like this. Sorry, Susan. It's it's <laughs> a it's like the weird. Like, yeah, why we, we It feels like Weimar, end of the Roman Republic times, where you can't even you can't even speak mm-hmm. freely about the right. truth and mm-hmm. data. You had yeah. You can't allow the truth to get out because it would completely dismantle the uh, incumbent power Mm -hmm. structure which which is filled with experts (laughs) you want to talk about experts in the climate uh, realm Uh,
1: yeah yeah
0: the experts on the uh, the covid response Uh, trust the science that Mm -hmm. was an incredibly Mm -hmm. uh, incredibly shocking to see how many people just Mm
1: -hmm.
0: repeated trust the science trust the science absolutely
1: absolutely but uh, maybe Elon Musk is going to strike a blow for free speech. I don't know. I, 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 I think that's no, a spectacle. No. no, no it's a yeah. spectacle. Is it? Okay. It's a spectacle. We'll
0: see. Bitcoin's the only form of free speech these days. They can't control uh, Bitcoin. Tom, you need, okay. to get, you need to get big in the Bitcoin. I know you're just on Save's Pod.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You, uh, I think you would like Bitcoin. The ideas I've been looking
1: that, into it. I like what I've heard so far.
0: Yeah. I do am. you have any questions? Since this is a Bitcoin podcast, maybe we should maybe talk a little bit about
1: Bitcoin. But... Uh, what would be your advice to uh, a brand new person to uh, buy Bitcoin in a safe manner where you're not going to, uh, someone's going to take it away in a secure manner?
0: There's many ways. There's, There's you have many B- ways. Okay. You have Bitcoin ATMs, which you can go to okay. and you can buy with cash without having to give up your personal information outside of a phone number. Okay. Um, cash app, number okay. one app in the finance store. Very common, very easy okay. to buy there. Uh, would not go to Coinbase. Don't ever buy on yeah. Robinhood. Uh, okay. This company, if you're looking to buy in bulk, OTC desk type buys, Unchained Capital, disclaimer okay. sponsor of the podcast, they uh, mm-hmm. they facilitate that. There's a river.com um, is another one, easy to remember. Um, those are all great places to buy. Uh, but the most important thing is to make sure that you take control of your Bitcoin. So mm-hmm. you mentioned, where can I buy and not have it get? And
1: yeah, that's get a big part. Pulled.
0: Yeah. Make sure when mm-hmm. you do buy, you send that Bitcoin to a wallet that you control, so the only person mm-hmm. that can rug pull you is you. Um, okay, comes with extreme ownership and responsibility, but that is the power of Bitcoin. It's a digital bearer instrument. You can take control of your wealth and theoretically hold it as twelve words in your head if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so yeah, I would I would use one of those reputable uh, exchanges I just mentioned, and then that's the good thing about the ATMs. The ATMs force you to put it in a wallet that you control. So you download something like blue wallets on your phone and you go to the ATM and they send it directly to the wallet on your phone, which you, which you have control of. Okay. All right. Um, Make sure you back up your seeds. If you have any more in-depth questions, you can, you can always feel free to, to DM me. I'd be more than happy to help you.
1: I I think I probably will. Yeah. (laughs) Then I can replay this part, this part of the podcast so I can uh, make sure I know exactly what you said there. Good. Yeah.
0: And I, I the, the, one of the main um, – again, it, it ties back to what we've been talking about in the climate world and uh, with the, the COVID response. Something I truly believe is we need to fix the money. If we fix the money. We're going to fix the world. Like a lot of the stupid reports and um, all these models and data, they're funded by the university system, which is funded – by mm-hmm. the money printer. like We would not have much of the nonsense that you've had to deal with for the last 16 years that the world right. has had to deal with for the last two years, particularly as it pertains to, to COVID and the response there. Uh, none of that would have been possible in a world that was built on sound money uh, because opportunity cost and capital allocation is significantly higher. So you have to, to actually think about where you're putting your money in. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these dumb studies that are creating terrible models are not going to get mm-hmm. funded in the future so they mm-hmm. can't scare people you actually had to go be productive okay. uh, which is going to shock a lot of people but it's going to be good for humanity overall yeah. mm-hmm.
1: so they really did freeze the uh, bank accounts of the people supporting some of the canadian truckers right that's a thing that actually happened oh they did yeah they did, they did. okay yeah. right. um, that's, that's an eye-opener for me yeah
0: yeah they uh they did and then they quietly backtracked because Mm-hmm. All the rich people in Canada started mo- <laughs> very <laughs> quickly moving their money outside of uh, the country, yeah. and uh-huh. Trudeau had to be like, uh uh-huh, like actually, here's your bank account uh-huh. back." Um,
1: yeah.
0: yeah, I mean that proves right there. Like it, 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 it can happen at any moment. Like at some point in the future, it's probably going to happen to you if the yeah, see the dis- wrong
1: thing on social media and then you can't uh, buy anything anymore. Yeah, that's, yeah, that could be a
0: problem. Um, yeah, you'll have your CBDC wallet or your bank account wallet to say, "Hey, Tom, uh, we're mm-hmm. going to need." you to take this uh this this climate change class and pass it first before you can go spend money Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. buy goods yeah a bitcoin wallet you control can never tell you that yeah Um, it's very powerful
1: yeah i think there has been a credit card that they were trialing saying you could only uh buy so much gas per month or it's it's trying to keep track of your carbon footprint discover
0: teamed up with some i wrote about this in my newsletter um Yeah, car. If you pull up tftc.io slash tag slash climate, um, you should be able to find it there. But yeah, this, uh, yeah, they're going like, to, they're going to do it with the cars too. Like with EV, um, climate dash change. Try. That's um, yeah, not there. ESG. Try ESG. That's where it will be. <laughs> I've been on a big vendetta against ESG. I mean, ESG. Oh, top that's right good for you yeah. um again it makes no sense um it's pure communism so yeah here's the discover card can we zoom okay. in on it at all
1: Carl? oh there you go
0: transaction denied. <laughs> transactions and i yes.
1: do
0: economy that's what they're calling this the economy <laughs> card
1: so so who wants this card
0: uh, somebody wants people card, well that's the other thing they've out people Again, Western culture specifically, like we're so gluttonous, and again, late Weimar, late Roman Republic,
1: huh.
0: we're so gluttonous, degenerate, and yeah, oh yeah, you want to allocate mm-hmm. your virtue to something like a credit mm-hmm. card? You don't actually want to do good.
1: <laughs> Amazing,
0: <laughs> Tom. This has been a great pleasure. I hope we can do it again.
1: I would love to do it again. Yeah, I enjoyed it a ton. Yeah.
0: And we should talk about what you're working on now too and we can yes. talk uh, unless uh, we, we don't have to be so coded when we talk about it when we do okay. talk about it because I won't post it on YouTube it's,
1: All right. yeah it sounds good I'd like to
0: Those information Nazis God hey it's crazy you can't yeah. talk about the fact that the vaccine is killing people on YouTube or they'll take your <laughs> they'll take your <laughs> video off demonetize you mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me um, where can we find out more about you what you're working on uh, where can we send the freaks
1: oh I just uh, see my Twitter account it's just tan one two three like the color tan one two three and at, uh, you can yeah at tan one two three and then if you click on my profile I do have a sub stack as well where you can check out some other stuff yeah
0: awesome well yeah. again been a big fan for years I'm very happy that I was able to get you on the podcast and uh, I
1: really enjoyed it thanks for the invite
0: well Appreciate your work. Keep it up. And uh, we'll do this again at some point in the future.
1: Sounds real good. All right.
0: Talk to you next
1: time.
0: Peace and love, freaks. Okay.